everybody. Welcome back to week three. Yay. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, how um, are you doing lately? I'm doing all right. Just excited to share my story. I know. I'm excited, too. It's been a while. We actually, um, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but we took like a two-week break. So this is three weeks past the last one we did. So little bit of a break and we got to relax a little bit. My friend slash co-host from my other podcast came out to visit for a week, Alicia, shout out. And I got to do a lot of stuff with her and of course Father's Day happened too. So yeah, that's why we took a break, but it's not going to be a break for you guys because these will just release one week after the other. Yeah. So yeah. But welcome to the... Desert, Desert Sirens. <laughs> and we just, too, we got a final look at what our logo is going to look like, too. So that's exciting. Yes. And that's going to be um, our friend Emily. She designed it and she's an amazing artist. So shout out to her, too. Yes, 100%. I think she's um, made by Bork, B O R K, on Instagram and okay. all that fun yes. stuff. We'll so make sure to out. link her in our show and stuff too for credit for that yeah she makes awesome art and stickers and all kinds of fun stuff super talented but okay let's get into it are you ready i am Alrighty, everyone so we are going back to old town for the third week in the row old town old town (laughs) old town Um, So this week we're looking at Church Street Cafe because apparently I can't get away from restaurants. Oh yeah, I ate there this last week, by the way. Which, it was delicious food, but our waitress was horrible. Oh no! I know, I know, and then you asked me to take pictures too, and um, there was just too many people. I was like, I'm just going to take a picture of a bunch of people. Oh yeah, don't worry It's alright. We could go together one time. Uh, We're just going to have to tour Old Town again now that we've done all this. We'll do it. Um... Alrighty, so anyway, so we're going to look at Church Street Cafe, that's what it's currently called, but originally it was Casa de Ruiz, okay. which is basically roughly translates to the Ruiz family home. Makes sense. Uh, so it, it was, it's believed to be built soon after Old Town was founded in 1706, I'll touch on that more in a bit. Okay. About why it's believed, we don't know for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> um but if it was built around then, it is possibly the oldest residence in Albuquerque. The street it was built on was originally called School Street because the now historic San Felipe de Neri Church mm-hmm. was a Catholic school at the time. And the building is behind the church now, but originally, like, the entrance to the church swapped. So when it was a Catholic school, the entrance, I guess, was on the side of where the cafe was. Okay. But now that it's a church, like, the entrance is on the other side. Got it. That's how I understood it. Okay. <laughs> uh, sure, makes sense. It was all a little wonky trying to figure that all out. But, um, so based on some Sanborn insurance maps from 1891 that can be found at UNM, University of New Mexico's Engineering Library. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you really want to go look for it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those maps show that the building was originally U-shaped and it was like Hacienda style structure. Uh, made of uh, the book that I'm reading again I've referenced it in the cu- past couple episodes uh, Ghosts of Old Town Albuquerque by yes. Kogi Polston 
Um, in there, he called it, he said it was made by Terones Adobe Bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what Adobe Bricks are, and I think I've explained it before, um, but if you don't remember, Adobe is kind of like a a mud brick that is mixed with hay and other, like, plant material to keep it together, and okay. they, like, make it when it's wet, and then they let it dry, and then they build with it. Question, if you know, like, that with that form of brick is, like, can it get weathered over time? I think it does wear down over time, which is, um, which again, I'll mention in a little bit, but it kind of goes in with that, which I think that might be why a lot of the adobe structures, the walls were very thick. Uh, yeah. So, that makes sense. I mean, I'm sure it would get weathered over yeah, time. Yeah, because that doesn't sound very yeah. strong to me, but I don't know. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so, Pulse and Adobe are different building materials, but in the same family. Okay, okay. So it was kind of funny that he called it both when they're two separate things. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but basically, the building was made with terones bricks, which is also mud. Um, the technical definition was earth construction bricks cut from meadows with... Oh, and then I simplified it. Was saying, like, a lot of roots in the soil. Okay. And then... Just to clarify, adobe is drier mud bricks with materials like hay, roots, etc. mixed in to keep the mud together. Okay. Um, and we'll touch on that a little bit more later, but there, that's kind of the basic idea of what it was built with. And then the hacienda style, I realize some people might not know what that is. Yes. <laughs> um, so the technical definition, I guess technical for lack of a better term, is like a large estate or ranch or a main home that's on a large estate or ranch. Okay. Um, it's commonly made of adobe with tiled roofs and a courtyard in the middle. Okay. So a lot of hacienda style homes, especially the traditional ones, they almost look like a big square mm. with a open square in the middle. Okay. Yeah. I, I can know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's that style of home. They're going to be so that's a just to get a general idea of what it looked like back then. Uh, and as I said, this one was U-shaped, so mm-hmm. it was open on one side. Okay. Um, but anyways, so it was owned by the Ruiz family. The earliest family members to have been traced are um, Juliana, Juliana Lucero and Francisco Ruiz. They were both born in 1834. They had a daughter, Sarah Ruiz, who was born February 22nd, 1880. And she had a daughter. Her name was Rufina G. Ruiz. Her daughter, Rufina, was the last Ruiz family inhabitant of the home until she died in 1991 at the age of 91. Oh, serendipitous. Yeah. (laughs) Easy math. She was born in around 1900. Yes. (laughs) I could do that math. Yay. (laughs) But anyway, so, but it's believed that the home and the family had been there a few generations, had already been there a few generations, sorry, correction. So they had already been there for a few generations, despite the fact that there's no documentation or information found so far about the family from before that point. Okay. So they're saying like the Ruiz family was there before then, they just don't know. Yeah. Who it was or whatever. Yeah. There's no, like, birth or death certificates. They can't find the records of who was there before. Got Um, But the way that they think this, because you're like, well, where the hell did they come up with that idea? (laughs) Yes. 
So, despite of the lack of records for the home's construction, the way it was built gives clues as to how old it is. So, for instance, we were talking about Terones. Yes. So, those were used back when the Rio Grande area was a marshy swamp. Okay. And, which anyone who lives here now knows it's very sad excuse for a river at this yes. point. <laughs> super, super dried up, yeah. yeah. Um... But anyways, the swamp was drained back in 1820. Oh. So they couldn't make Terongas after 1820. Oh, So it was definitely built before that. Okay. And then the thickness of the walls, which I was kind of talking about yes. before, um, that also points to its age. Um, in some places of the building, the wall is more than two feet thick. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this was common around the time that Old Town was founded because it helped insulate the home better. So it was warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer. Okay. Um, I also, I, I like to go with the theory too that it helped it last longer. Yeah. 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 I'm just picturing too, like trying to live in one of those without AC during the summer in New Mexico. Oh my That gosh. would suck. I, it gets so hot out here. It's been hot lately. Yeah. I'm practically living in my home and leave as little as possible because AC I blasting. Yes. Refrigerate air guys. Yes. If you don't have it, it's worth it. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so also, um, the current owner of the cafe, Marie Coleman, she continues to research to see if the Ruizes were a founding family of Albuquerque. Okay. And she is also trying to find more info on the home itself whenever she can. So, if you happen to know anything, on the cafe's official website, she does ask for you to contact her through there if you oh, happen to okay. have any information. Um, but anyway, so back to the building. Um, it remained intact until 1920 when a flood destroyed half the house. Oh, no. Yeah. That's sad. Back when the Rio Grande actually flooded and <laughs> was huge. Can't believe that was the thing. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Anyway, so as I mentioned, um, Rufina was the last person in the home, and she died in 1991. After she passed away, Marie purchased and renovated the home into what is now the Church Street Cafe. Okay. So with those renovations, um, Marie came to find out that Sarah's still hanging out in the house. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so... Basically, she has come to believe that it's Sarah Ruiz. Okay. Um, and a lot of people just accept that as well, too. Um, but anyway, so some people, mainly like Cody Polston and one other site that I found, mm -hmm. um, think that Sarah was a curandera. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> so a curandera. So Google definition says it's a healer who uses folk remedies. I also found a website that goes much more thoroughly into it. So, um, a curandera is a woman. Um, if you say a curandero, it's mm. a man. Mm -hmm. But anyways, they're a person with special knowledge of herbs, household remedies, human health, and faith. The women would also commonly act as midwives. Oh, okay. Uh, they are similar to medicine men and women in Native American cultures. They spread, which they spread to everywhere wherever the spanish conquered oh okay they came from the spanish basically and mm -hmm. so wherever spanish society spread they kind of went um be from the 16th through the 19th century okay 
they have been an integral presence in Hispanic communities in New Mexico for centuries, more common where doctors are scarce. Okay. Because it's like holistic medicine, basically. Yeah. I mean, like, there's kind of a lot of a spirituality as well in it, you know? Yeah. If you look at what they do, well, most of the time, there's like, you know, they just know their stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, but they do incorporate a lot of, uh, like, religious beliefs and all that fun stuff into okay. it. Got it. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Oh, and also, um, curanderas are actually still present in New Mexico today, and they sometimes team with modern doctors, like at the UNM School of Nursing. That was a fun thing I found out. Oh, really? So, yeah, they're like hanging out and still around. Um... But anyway, so yeah, so a couple sources did claim that Sarah was a curandera, but they also claimed that she had multiple relationships but never married, so Rufina may have been born out of wedlock. Okay. Well, yeah, if she never married. Yeah. She had to have been. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of Sarah's background. And so... Marie first encountered Sarah when she started remodeling the house to make it into a cafe. Mm -hmm. So she first was touring the building with a contractor. And as she was touring, I can't tell if it was just her or if it was both of them that heard a woman yell, like, get him out of here. Oh, dang. Like, get him out. Yeah. So they rushed to finish the tour and try to see, like, you know, get get their work done but yeah. they were like they said they felt like a heavy presence like an angry presence around them yeah and so they were like okay well let's just hurry up and get this done because i gotta do my work and um basically once he left everything chilled out oh like she like said that everything the atmosphere seemed to just totally calm down um so later she found out that he was possibly the grandson of one of sarah's exes Oh, okay. She's holding that grudge. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and we'll come to find that Sarah has quite the temper. Like, oh. <laughs> she's not scared to share how she feels. Lady after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, of course, that contractor didn't really do much work on the house. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame him. Um, but Maria's friend Charlie ended up doing the renovations, and but he also had experiences with Sarah. At one point, he came up to Marie while working and told her, you need to have that woman leave me alone. Like, she's being crazy. And she was like, what the heck are you talking about? And he's like, she's kicking over the buckets of stucco, and it's also possible that tools may have gone missing or removed. Oh. (laughs) And he's like, I just can't work. Like, everything's getting knocked over and messed up. So Marie went into the room and announced to the room, you know, she's like... Hey, we're just trying to fix up the house. Like, yeah. since the flood happened back in 1920, a lot of structural damage had happened. And she was saying, if we don't get this fixed, this house isn't going to be here much longer. Uh, yeah. So can you please, like, chill out? Trying to no- so- negotiate with the ghost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's like, please, like, let us work. We're trying to do something that you're probably happy with, too. Like, if you want a house to haunt, you got to relax. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and sure enough, all interference with Charlie's work stopped after that. Oh. So. Uh, see, sometimes all you gotta do is ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, Sarah's a little temperamental, but she can be reasonable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, if you would have just asked my permission, this, none of this would have happened. Exactly. 
But so after that interaction, Sarah and Marie seem to kind of understand each other at least a bit. Like I said, interference with the work had stopped. And Marie started greeting and telling Sarah goodnight every Mm -hmm. day. And it seemed to become like a friendship of sorts. Based on some of the stuff that happened, I feel it's more frenemies, but... Well, she just wanted her to know who was boss, I think. I guess. Yeah, that's (laughs) probably... That sounds about right. Yeah. But yeah, so as a part of this, uh, Sarah will throw uh, pebbles at Marie when she wants attention. And what's interesting is apparently these pebbles are are usually very unique and not local to the area. What? They're not. She's going into the ghost dimension and bringing them back from somewhere else. (laughs) She's just going somewhere else and being like, no, I got to have a special rock to throw at This one's from Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And Sarah will also turn the lights back on at night if Marie forgets to say goodnight. (gasps) She's like... It's not time for bed yet. Click. <laughs> like, it, it's so funny because it's like explained as Marie will like turn off the lights, lock up, she'll lock the door, get, start to leave, and then she'll see the lights all go on. And she's, she's like, like oh, I forgot. It's I like that bratty kid in. that's like, I'm not going to bed until you read me my story. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> yeah, Sarah's kind of needy, I yeah, guess. Yeah, she is. She just wants attention. Um, so other staff have also had plenty of experiences with Sarah. Um, we have a waiter who saw her ghost doing chores. He's seen her sweeping and or dusting. That's fine. Let her do it. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Please. Free, free labor. Exactly. Um, and when this waiter saw her doing chores, he said that she had a long black dress and her black hair was pulled into a bun. Okay. Um, she's also been seen by others as feeding quote unquote ghost chickens in the back. And setting tables inside. Oh my gosh, ghost chickens! That would be yeah. scary. Right? I don't like birds. I don't know. They're scary yeah. alive. Yeah, Imagine I'm them like, dead. I'm hoping they mean that it was just she's just feeding invisible chickens. No, I I'm picturing ghost chickens, like ghost chickens. There we yeah, go, pecking at the stuff she's throwing. All the ghosts that she ate in her lifetime, she's now forever having to feed them. Perfect. <laughs> she's also been seen setting tables inside as well. Oh, okay. Um. So a waitress and a table full of guests also saw a coffee cup slowly turn over by itself. Like they explained it as it like lifted up slightly and then it just slowly turned on its side and then just went back down. Hmm. I'd probably be like, okay, bye. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to eat it anymore. I'm okay. <laughs> At least it wasn't full of coffee because that would have sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, and then, uh, let's see, another waitress found the front window open twice that wasn't supposed to be able to open, period. She was all, somebody lied to me. Exactly. (laughs) Or supernatural forces are here. Um, and then, on a more aggressive side, a server in the bathroom felt a negative presence enter, and then the stall beside hers slammed twice, but there was no one there. I'm always scared of public restrooms, like, if something's going to happen while I'm in there alone. Right. It's kind of eerie being in there alone. Yeah. Um, there's also a Spanish guitar player mm-hmm. and his audience. They all had a full-on experience. Um, so the guitar player believes that Sarah didn't like the song he was playing, and he <laughs> still won't play it to this day. Oh, good. <laughs> At least he knows how to respect a ghost. So while he was playing... A coffee cup. Again, she likes to mess with the coffee cups. So the coffee cup levitated 
and then slammed into a wall, breaking into pieces as he was playing. Oh my gosh. So, again, she's very honest. Either she loves coffee or she hates it. I can't decide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the same musician also told his girlfriend about the paranormal events that he had witnessed and heard about um, at this location, but she was skeptical. So he brought her along with him one night for dinner. And they were talking, of course, during dinner about how she was like, I don't believe in this. And he's like, well, no, you gotta like wait and just see if something happens. Yeah. Well, so nothing happened the entire time they were eating. But when they were leaving, they entered, they got to the lobby part of the building and then the lights went out and they would not turn on until she left. Because she wasn't a believer. Yeah. And Sarah wants that attention, you know? Exactly. How dare She's like, you? okay, then leave. Yeah. How dare you not believe in me? The audacity. Um, so in that vein, because, you know, she's she's crazy. There's all kinds of stories about Sarah. She's I don't know. That sounds place. like something I would do if I was haunting a place. <laughs> I don't know if she's that crazy. Give me attention and that's only do what one. I want. Yeah, that's it. But, so yeah, so... Marie's brother, so the owner's brother, Jim, he was also skeptical about this situation. He mm-hmm. was like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever goes. Um, so one night he came to the cafe to help around, you know, to help around the place, and he decided to lock up alone. Okay. And so he's locking up, and he turned everything off, and he was getting ready to leave, but he couldn't find his keys to actually lock up. And there's two versions of this story. Okay. So in one version, he just couldn't find his keys, so he didn't want to leave the building unlocked. Yeah. The other version, the door had locked itself, and he couldn't get out. So he was looking for his keys to try to unlock the door. Oh. And he was scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So anyways, he searched all over for his keys, um, including all his pockets. And when he had no idea where to find them, he finally stopped and spoke to Sarah. Again, this is where the two stories kind of change. One version, he heard a woman laughing, and he just yelled at her, like, leave me alone. Like, (laughs) just let me out of here. She's all, you didn't say goodnight to me. Exactly. (laughs) And then in another version, he apologized to Sarah for not believing in her and not saying goodnight and asked her to please return the keys. So one, he was kind of pissed at her, and the other one, he was like, Come on. Okay, I get it. Sorry. Just... Gosh, but it's, like, also just, like, don't blame ghosts for your misplacement of items. <laughs> right? <laughs> just automatically assumes it's the ghost. But, yeah. Either way, his keys appeared in his pocket after he spoke mm-hmm. to her. Convenient. <laughs> yeah. And he locked up. Um, in one version, the locked, you know, the version where the door was locked and he couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. Like, the door was wide open when he went to leave. Of so, course, yes. That's very ghost-esque. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, he locked up the door, he exited, well, he exited then locked up, and yes. ran to his truck. He was like, <laughs> now I'm done. <laughs> so now he believes. Yeah. And so, one version ends there. The other version um, says that when he got to his truck, the lights turned back on in the building. Again, he didn't say goodnight, even after all that. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. It said, they said that he shook his head. He said goodnight to Sarah from his truck, but he told her, I'm not going back in. That's fine. <laughs> My sister can pay the electric bill for a night. Exactly. <laughs> and then he drove off, and he never mentioned being a skeptic ever again. But he probably was, like, not going to admit he was wrong either. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so that was a fun story. And then... Um, Sarah also moves figurines and pottery in the lobby's large display case. 
And here's where we get to see Sarah being sarcastic again. Because some items were starting to get close to the edge of the shelves in the display case. Mm -hmm. So Marie was like, hey, Sarah, I need you to kind of chill out. Like, you're going to break the stuff in there. Yes. You know, like. And Sarah responded by throwing a figurine at the glass. Oh. (laughs) She's like, you're not going to tell me what to do. (laughs) Yeah. And they said it was with enough force that she thought that Marie thought the glass was going to break. But it didn't. Yeah, it did. That's good. That's good. So Marie just said, you know what? Fine. And she put a piece of pottery to block the stuff from falling on that shelf. Oh. And she's like, fine, do what you want. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, so, yeah. So Marie has had all these experiences. Her staff have had experiences. So um, the Southwest Ghost Hunters Association, mm-hmm. which we've talked about before, yes. and the Daily Lobo um, which is the UNM newspaper. Mm-hmm. Their reporters investigated the location together. Oh. Uh, the only real finding that they mentioned at that time was that they heard knocking in another room while they were doing an interview in the lobby. Okay. When they reviewed the camera footage that was in that room, nobody was in the room. Um, but the camera also didn't catch the knocking. Huh. That's interesting. Because usually it's, like, the opposite. Like, the camera catches it, but not your ears, not, like, vice versa, you know? Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So that that was odd. Um, and then probably one of the more dramatic events that happened, if it hasn't already been dramatic enough. It's been so much drama. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> so in the spring of 2004, Travel Channel, um, which I mentioned in... Again, in previous episodes, they had a show called Weird Tra- Weird Travels. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were filming for it at this point as well. I don't know if they were doing all of these filming at one point or if they kept coming back. Like, yeah. I'm not sure what happened there. But they're filming for Weird Channels yes. and they decide to include Church Street Cafe. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, they had interviewed Bob Carter and Kobe Polsting, who are both members of SGHA. I can't remember if they're both co-founders. Like, Kobe Polsting was a founder for sure. Yes. Bob, I can't remember if he was a co-founder or if he was just a member. But either way, they were both interviewed for this show. Okay. So, they, but they were interviewed at a, a hotel separately, I guess. And then after mm-hmm. their interview, they decided to go to the cafe to catch some, I guess, dinner and watch... Travel Channel film a reenactment at the restaurant. Oh. So what they were filming was a reenactment of a supposed knife fight that took place between Sarah and one of her exes. Because again, she's all drama. Dang. <laughs> so they're filming this knife fight and Like they're both fighting each other with knives, like it's a duel. I don't know. Like they didn't really explain okay. thoroughly I'm just and <laughs> Cody Polston said that that scene was actually never included in the show so huh. I don't know but apparently there was a knife fight between yeah. her and her ex okay um so anyway so they they had sat on the patio so they could watch this filming mm-hmm. and at one point though Bob got irritated because he was like hey the waiter hasn't been back in a while like they just brought out our drinks and we've already consumed all of our drink and nobody's coming to get our food order so anyways he goes inside because he's like well i'm gonna go get the waiter like i'm not gonna wait forever for this yeah well all of a sudden bob comes bursting out of the building and he's like telling kobe whatever equipment we have in the car get it like get it and get in here now oh my gosh so kobe's like okay so he goes (laughs) and grabs their stuff he goes running in 
Well, he come. Kogi says that he walks in and he just sees a bunch of the patrons backed up against the wall and there's silverware all over the floor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So witnesses claim that while they were filming outside, Mm -hmm. basically it looked almost as if somebody had run through the restaurant and was just swiping all the silverware off of the tables. Oh, interesting. And that's scary. Wait, so the restaurant was open while they were filming this fight scene outside? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how the noise didn't interrupt their shooting, but. Well, I would think if you have two foot thick adobe walls, maybe that'll. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Interesting. But anyways, so yeah, so they silver egg flowing everywhere. Um, but after that, nothing else happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, but when they spoke, when Kogi and them spoke to Marie, she did say, like, anytime anyone mentions that knife fight between her and her ex, like, it it doesn't go well. (laughs) Sarah definitely makes it clear that she's not happy. So did Sarah win that knife fight? I would think so. She (laughs) she survived after that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, like, trying to picture her dueling some man with a knife. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, And then, but yeah, so that was like pretty much the climax of her activity. Um, There's also a few events that have happened that have caused some people to think that there may be more ghosts than just Sarah. Mm -hmm. So this is just like a little little thing to end on. Okay. Um, So (laughs) a phone was hidden and never found. Like a cell phone? Um, I think it was actually a restaurant phone, like, oh, like a, yeah. almost like a home phone kind yeah. of setup. Uh, they said they looked and looked for it, never could find it. And usually if Sarah hikes things, she ends up giving it back at some point. So they oh, were like, okay. this is a bit odd for yeah. her. Um, and then one waiter had his butt grabbed. Ooh. <laughs> was he spicy? Yeah. She's like, yeah, you could be one of my exes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they just say that they think this might not be her just because she's such a no-nonsense personality. Yeah, but she had so many boyfriends. That is true. <laughs> so there's there's an alternative yes. belief there. Um, and also when staff enter to start opening the cafe in the morning, sometimes it is in a wreck, like a party had happened the night before. Jeez. Like, she was throwing a, a party with all of her ghosts with their rocks from different dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the website that had that speculation about there being other ghosts said that, oh, well, maybe Sarah's just having a party with all of her ghost yeah. friends. And some linger behind to grab waiters' butts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the haunting of the Church Street Cafe. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Sarah, I, when I went there, <clears throat> um, like it, the environment's really cool. Like the lobby is super small. So when you're telling stories about the lobby, I'm trying to picture it. Cause they have like a, when you walk in like a display case that has like, uh, pastries and stuff that they sell. Cause it's also like, you could just get in, go in there and like order like coffee and a pastry and just leave. Okay. Um, and then there were like so many people waiting to sit down um or to get a table and then when we went back i was like telling um alicia about like you know that it used to be a house and all that stuff and i was like most of this this stuff used to so like you could kind of tell you know because the the doorways are small and it's kind of like super intimate in there so it's not like super restaurant you know feeling in there yeah but it's really it's really pretty in there and the food was delicious too we had enchiladas 
<laughs> well, I'm glad the food Just was delicious. Their salsa. Mwah. But she has kiss. Sarah throwing coffee cups. I wish. Silverware. That would have been nice. <laughs> I would have loved to see that. <laughs> or grabbing somebody's butt. That would have been great. <laughs> right. I'm like, was that Sarah or was it not? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but I liked it. Good job. Thank you. Yeah. And hopefully next week I'll, we'll be diving into a different area. But I'm okay. probably going to stay in the Southwest. Probably stay in New Mexico for a while. But... Okay. We'll check out some other locations. Yeah, I mean, it's good to hear ghost stories so that, like, uh, we could maybe try to go to the places after, you know, and experience something. Yeah. We'll definitely have to start doing that. Yeah. That would be fun. I would like that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So, for this week, I'm doing something pretty topical with some stuff that's been going on lately, which I'm sure everybody's heard of. Um, Of course, this is topical for now when we're recording. Um, But recently, as you know, too, a team of five people went down to the Titanic in a tiny submarine. And unfortunately, it imploded is what they're guessing. And everybody died instantly. So what I decided to do my topic on today is actually conspiracy theories surrounding the Titanic itself. Oh, okay. Yes. So, of course, we all know the historic story of the Titanic. Um, On April 14th, 1912, the RMS Titanic hit an iceberg and sank into the freezing waters of the North Atlantic Ocean and killed um, 1,517 of the 2,223 souls of passengers and crew on board. So, um, such a huge tragedy that seemed... Un, um, sorry, avoidable abor- aboard an unsinkable ship has since caused many to question if this was just a tragedy or if there was actually more to the story. I don't know if you've actually ever heard any of these conspiracy theories. I don't think I ever have. No? I mean, I've read a lot of books about the sinking of the Titanic. I think in like middle school, I was obsessed with the Titanic. So yeah, I was like, I read a bunch of books about it. So I know like about that, but yeah, I don't think I've ever heard conspiracy theories mentioned, nope. so I'm intrigued. Okay, there's, there's quite a few, too, and I, I did only um, a couple. There's more theories out there, but these are the mo- the ones that most intrigued me, I guess. All right. So the first theory is that um, J.P. Morgan had planned the event in hopes of killing his then-rivals. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> It is theorized that the millionaire banker planned this event in hopes of killing Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim, who all perished aboard the Titanic. This theory comes from the fact that he himself, J.P. Morgan, had a ticket to ride on the Titanic that day, but decided to go or to not go last minute right before it took off. Um, But... If he wasn't on board, then everybody's like, well, then how did he cause the ship to hit an iceberg in the middle of the ocean? Like, what does that have to do with him? Um, A part of the theory was that Morgan wanted them gone because they all opposed the creation of the Federal Reserve. Although Astor and Guggenheim didn't appear to have taken um, any position on it and Strauss actually supported it. So it was just one of those theories where it's like this millionaire banker buys a ticket to go on the Titanic and then last minute he decides not to and then all of his rivals die on it. It must be those rich people. I know, somehow. love blaming rich people for everything. (laughs) It's always the rich people. (laughs) Um, 
Another theory is that the Titanic never sank. Have you ever heard this theory? No. <laughs> it's really interesting. I've heard this before. I think I saw it on like a Discovery Channel type of thing or something. But this theory th- claims that someone had switched the Titanic with a sister ship, the RMS Olympic, which looks very identical to the Titanic. Um, the History Channel, which is where I got most of this stuff from, says that this uh, theory starts with the fact that the Olympic was damaged while sailing from Southampton, New England, to New York in September of 1911 and had to return to Harlan and Wolf's shipping yard in Belfast for repairs. The company repaired the Olympic and it sailed to New York and back. It returned to Belfast, uh, sorry, Belfast for more repairs in March of 1912, a few weeks before the Titanic set sail. So basically there was this other sister ship that was basically already doing what the Titanic wanted to do, but it had gone, I, I don't remember what happened, but it had a huge hole in it. So it came back and got a repair and then went back again, back and forth. Huh. So, the theory claims a type of insurance fraud occurred, where someone deemed the Olympic far too damaged to be used, so they switched it for the Titanic, so they could just be like, well, let's get the Olympic out there instead of the Titanic, since the ship's already gone anyways, we can't really use it. And then, while it was out there, it hit an iceberg and sank, and so they could claim insurance on it, basically is one of the theories. But the biggest hole to this theory is that the insurance money that covered the Titanic would not have been enough money to cover the Olympic. I'm just, that is so convoluted. Like, I'm like, wait, where is well, this? Well, so, and I've, and I've seen, like, stuff about, because they do look a lot alike, but a lot of stuff, like, their portholes and their, like, windows and stuff are slightly different. Okay. And there's some conspiracy theorists that I've seen who took, like, they'll take pictures from the day the Titanic went to sail off and the portholes and windows don't look like the Titanic. It looks like the Olympic. Hmm. Which I'm not, I mean, it's pretty, I feel like it would be easy to disprove that, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I mean, in the fact that we've gone down there, like, you know, like yeah. James Cameron went down there. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I and I mean, it. that, yes, and we have, like, camera footage of it and stuff, so it's, like, easy to tell. I think that would, yeah, I got, you would think that that would be pretty big news if they went down there, saw it, and they're like, hey, wait a second. This isn't even the Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. You would think, yeah. To me, like, it almost seems, like I said, to me it seems kind of convoluted, and it's almost comparable to, like, oh, the Holocaust never happened. It's like, we have proof. Like, why are <laughs> There's we There's, like, literally this? survivors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those theories that, like, I don't think it happened, but, like, if you, like, watch conspiracy videos about this stuff, it's like, hmm. There's just enough to make you kind of think about it, but then when you look deeper into it, it's like, like, eh. Probably not. Um, Another theory, and this is actually probably my favorite theory, is that a mummy's curse sank the Titanic. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. <laughs> so, Get Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to come save the Titanic. Um, William uh, Stead was a British editor who went down with the ship when it sank. He had spent several years claiming that a cursed mummy was causing several disasters to plague London. This came from a common anxiety at the time that colonists had about people whose land they plundered. So he basically, he... 
um, researched a bunch of different stuff, artifacts and stuff. And he was following the story of this mummy, which I'll, I'll tell you more about the mummy in a little bit, but he was like, Oh, this mummy's causing this to happen and that to happen. Like he thought they were just cursed because they took this mummy from where they got it. This mummy has a lot of power. Yeah. (laughs) And so he's, he's like on the ship and he's like telling people about this story too. Like he really thinks it's, he's cursed London's cursed all this stuff is cursed and so some people think that maybe he was right and maybe a mummy did cause the Titanic to sink so uh one survivor of the ship had repeated what he heard from him and it became news making headlines like he's like uh I was on board with this dude and he was telling me a mummy (laughs) cursed him and and now I think that's why the Titanic sank. The Washington Post actually even ran a story about it with the headline, Ghost of the Titanic, Vengeance of Hoodoo Money Followed Man Who Wrote Its History. Um, some link this Wait, story. Hoodoo Money? That's what they called it. I don't know <laughs> Is why they called it. like New Orleans kind of? Well, that's like, I don't know what the difference, to be honest, between hoodoo and voodoo is. Well, I, I think know. like. I might be wrong, so anyone can feel free to correct me, but I want to say I thought that, like, voodoo and hoodoo were kind of similar, but, like, one is more, like, bad, dark magic, and then one's more, like, healing. Well, and maybe it could be, too, now that I'm thinking about it, it could just be, like, them combining all, like, savage civilizations well, together, yeah, you no, know, and, and just making a general... Headline, yeah. yeah. For this headline, definitely. They're sensationalizing it. I, yes. just, I just thought it was hilarious that they're using... That word. That word from a culture that has nothing to do with mummies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. So, <clears throat> some link this story to another pers- person who was on board and survived, Margaret Brown. She took Egyptian artifacts on board with her with the purpose of bringing them to the museum in Denver. There was even a rumor going around that the British mummy a museum had sold a mummy to an American museum and it was on board the Titanic when it sank. So this lady actually did have Egyptian artifacts that she brought with her to America while she was on the Titanic. But there was like rumors that were like, they brought a mummy. That's what brought the ship down. And this guy's not just making up stories. Like there was a mummy in there. Um, this, however, is not true. Mm-hmm. The mummy that supposedly had boarded the Titanic was still, and I think it is still to this day in the museum in Britain. So it was never even actually on board. <laughs> it never yes. left. No, never. It's like, why are you guys saying I dig stuff? I'm not even just like, chilling. Whoa. <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> so in 1985, Charles Haas was the president of the National Titanic Historical Society. He gained access to the cargo log of the ship and there were no records of a mummy ever being on board. That's okay. basically how they determined that's not what happened. Dang. <laughs> I was just like, man, that would be a powerful mummy to be, like, taking everything out. Like, Right? <laughs> a whole... They're like, let's ruin London and then try to go to America, but just sink everybody. Perfect. Wait, so... Okay, I'm a little confused. Did, did the Titanic leave from... It left from America going to London, or it left London coming to Yeah, America? it left England going to America. Oh, okay. Yes. I thought it was the other way. No. Oh, okay. Yes, it was trying to come to America. Yes. Oh, okay. And a lot of people, like, of course, rich people joined because they wanted to go to America. America was in its prime back then. And then people who were poor or, you know, third class, they were trying to go for the American dream, basically. 
that's what it was. Oh, like Jack? Exactly. <laughs> it's going back to America, boys. Yes. So who is this mummy? The mummy is the princess of, of Amun-Ra, who lived in 1500 BCE. She was buried in a vault at the Luxor on the banks of the Nile in the 1890s. So <clears throat> let me just preface this. This is just a legend. And I started reading the legend and it was like long, like okay. this story of what happened to this mummy. The mummy is real and it did come from the Luxor, but the story that came with it was a lot and I wanted to put it in here, but I feel like it would have made my, my, my story an hour again, but it was really cool. So if you want to look it up later, you can. Well, next time include that stuff. Okay. It's awesome. Maybe I'll just talk about the mummy. (laughs) So the, according to the story in the 1980s, four rich Englishmen visiting the excavation of this tomb um, were offered to buy the mummy in her casket. And so they did. And then basically on its way to the museum, the mummy caused a lot of pain and destruction in its wake. Like it talked about, again, I didn't take notes on this, but I just remember it offhand. It talked about stuff happening to each of those four men who purchased it. Just one died, one got shot, another lost everything. Another, they even said that he just wandered off into the desert and was never seen again. Just a lot of crazy stuff. And then like they talk about too, how guards of the museum will hear knocking from inside the casket and oh moaning gosh. like a woman crying and like all kind. They and then they even talk about how they tried to move it, and one of the guys who was trying to help move it like broke his leg in the process. Like it just snapped in half. What's that one meme where it's like emotional damage? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like this mummy was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you ain't moving me. But they moved her anyway. So I go rewinding a little bit. Yes. So these guys bought the mummy. Mm-hmm. Who did they? Who who thought they had the ownership of the mummy, of the mummy to sell it? Well, exactly. That's what happens ninety percent <laughs> of the time to these kinds of things. But and then they talked about too in the start. Again, most of this is all legend. It's not uh-huh. true. But they talked about this other guy who bought the mummy and then um, decided he didn't want it anymore because he was getting cursed. So he tried to sell it back to. Um, the British Museum and no mu- museum would take it because they knew the curse and then now it's like in a basement somewhere but they I don't think the mummy itself but the ca- like the painting of the casket the front part of it is on display like in the British Museum and you could go see it today oh, okay. yes. I don't know where the mummy is not sure <laughs> well now we gotta go to Brit- Britain Britain <laughs> see the mummy <laughs> okay next theory uh, ship builders of the um, Belfast are to blame. Basically, they're blaming who built it, which seems about right, right? <laughs> I don't know. So, basically, Har- um, Harland and Wolf were the builders that worked for Belfast, which was the company who built the ship. Okay. Um, they get blamed in a couple of different ways. First, it said that the, that Catholic workers were distressed that the ship's number was 390904. And when you view that number in a mirror, read backwards, very, again, convoluted, like you said, it says, no Pope. No Pope. Yes, no Pope. (laughs) This seemingly doomed the ship to be cursed. But I don't know where this story came from, because it's literally just that. It's just a story. Uh No such number has ever been linked to the boat, but it's talked about all the time, this story, for some reason. The hall number of the Titanic was 401, and the board of trade number was 131428. So it's not even close. I don't know. Also, during the time 
um, of the building of the ship, no Catholics were working for the company as far as anybody knows, because back in like the 1800s, these, this company basically did stuff that the Catholics didn't like, like, so a lot of Protestants were working for them at the time. So they're like, I don't know who made up this number. <laughs> so or, someone's like, I want to make a conspiracy theory. I'm just going to make a bunch make of up crap some up. stuff. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Um, they are also blamed for using substandard materials during construction. It is suggested that they used wrought iron rivets instead of steel ones. And in the cold, brittle conditions, these rivets popped off when the ship hit the iceberg. Um, but this isn't even confirmed or denied. It's just another one of those stories. Yeah. Because to me, I think what's happening is we have this unsinkable ship that everybody... Nobody thought anything would happen to it. And then this huge tragedy happened. So they're trying to come up with, well, it's, it's not that it's not unsinkable. It's it's because of this happened or this happened, you know? Well, it's, you know, a freak accident happened. Yeah. Like nothing that nobody counted for. So rather than just saying, you know, crazy stuff happens mm-hmm. sometimes, like some people I think just really, really want an explanation. Yes. They don't want your faith in their words i guess to fail because they said it was unsinkable and then it sank yeah i think that's what's happening here um and then the final theory that i have is that um the boat captain was under pressure to create a new record speed which they kind of use in the movie a little bit um some theories state that captain edward smith was under pressure by his boss white star line ceo joseph Ismay to cross the Atlantic in record time. So he was going too f- fast to make a quick enough moves before the ship hit the iceberg, basically. The theory has never been su- substantiated, though, and it's dubbed unlikely by experts who have researched the tragedy. Though it doesn't help that Joseph Ismay jumped on the last lifeboat, leaving behind all those people who died. So the guy who was the CEO was like got on the last lifeboat and left yeah which could be like maybe he felt guilty about it which i think i think that character's in the movie too i think it's been so long since i've seen him <laughs> really now i kind of want to rewatch it but yeah, yeah i watched it so recently long. with my daughter and she cried <laughs> so oh, hard well, that is a traumatizing yes, movie for i know <laughs> but i was like i feel like she should watch this um <clears throat> so the Captain Smith was left behind, too. Nobody's really sure about the accounts of his last moments on the ship, and his body was never recovered. Okay. And that's all that I have for you. (laughs) Yeah. There's a couple other theories out there. Um, I guess I could touch base on them just real quick. Like, one of them was a theory that um, a U-boat, like a German U-boat, had shot a missile at the ship. That was dangerous. And that's what <laughs> I know. Which is crazy because this is right around the time when World War II hadn't happened yet, but it was about to, you know? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Right about. And, but then that theory was disproved because a U-boat had shot at a ship a similar size and it sunk pretty fast. Like, I think they said in, like, 30 minutes versus the Titanic took, like, two and a half hours, I think, to yeah. sink. So that was another theory. And then I think that uh, that's all that I remember. There was a couple more, but I don't know. I just think that the ship hit an iceberg and unfortunately, oh, there was one more theory. There's the fire and ice theory. So there was this theory that um, because the engines were ran by coal 
Okay. You know, they put it into the engine to get it going. There was a theory that they had left coal aside burning in a pile just to make sure it's ready because they wanted to get there fast. So they wanted to have coal that's already hot to put into the sto- the stoves or whatever. Yeah. And they left this, this fire burning and it got super, super hot. And then when the ship wrecked into the iceberg, it was like fire meeting ice. And that just causes stuff to fall apart pretty quickly. Like, kind of like you don't put, you know really really hot water into a cold cup because it'll it'll shatter shatter, like that kind of theory so some people think that that could have caused it too because a lot of a lot of the times people think that the titanic hitting the iceberg was like it should have not sank because of that and so they think that maybe the fire caused the ship just to be weakened in a weakened state and that caused it to sink too yeah, so I mean, gosh, it's like I said, it was like back in middle school that I did a lot of my research. So yeah. I'm a bit hazy on yes. <laughs> the details. I did used to have a manager that I worked with at my previous job where he um, he had a poster that I think it was him or I, I worked with a bunch of managers, but anyway, <laughs> one of them had a poster about the Titanic and it talked all about like how it sank and I think it was a way to like think about managing better to prevent oh okay (laughs) so let's not sink our ship like the titanic because i you know the iceberg hit and then of course water starts pushing because it had like the compartments yes and they started closing the doors to stop the water from filling it up it had already having it already filled up i think so and i think the hole was too too big it like filled up a couple of compartments fast Yeah. yeah so i mean like we have like i guess my point being is like we have it down to such a science as to what happened like, I don't get why people are looking for all these crazy reasons. Yeah, I mean, I, when I was reading about it, um, somebody was saying, like, it didn't make sense why the ship split in half and, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, and then how one part sank and then the other bumped in the water for a while. But, I mean, to me, it makes sense. I'm not a scientist or an engineer or anything like that. But to me, it makes sense. But a lot of them are, like, saying there had to be something more to it, which, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with, but... So maybe instead of, you know, because I think I was saying earlier, like, people just want to find a reason for something. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a freak accident, you know, yeah. but like. Horrible. Yeah. And terrible tragedy, for uh, sure. And plus, too, the fact that they didn't have enough lifeboats bo- on board to save everybody, that's another thing is, like, why? Yeah, and I think that's the thing, like, making it such a tragedy is the fact that, there was the freak accident, which caused the whole issue, but then there was also the human error, like yeah. either being too, um, like, you know, I guess I'm trying to think of that dang saying where it's like, expect the best, but prepare for the worst. Yeah. You know, and it's like, they didn't do that. They were so cocky Mm -hmm. that they were like, oh no, it's unsinkable. We don't need all this. And it's like, yeah. Well, you're playing, you're gambling with people's lives. Exactly. And so, like, I think that's the issue is, like, humans have issues. We don't always (laughs) do the best things. (laughs) And that, I think that blew up what was already a tragedy and a crazy accident to be even crazier. Yeah. Because, yeah. And even the lifeboats, I think I remember, like, I watched that documentary with James Cameron when he went down to the Titanic. Yeah. And they were talking about the lifeboats and how... Not only was there not enough, but the way that they were mounted, like, there was no way they would have been able to lower all of them in enough time. It's it's probably because they 
wanted to have the lifeboats and the way to use them on board just in case somebody's like, hey, do you have this protocol? Exactly. But they didn't think they needed it. So they yeah. were like... Because oh. they were saying... Because I, I want to say, wasn't there stories of like the the lifeboats like falling on top of each other because yeah. they were trying to get them down so, so fast? fast. And that's, yeah. And that was where they were talking about that was like how it was like the timing and everything was just they weren't set up or they weren't prepared yeah period yeah, yeah they yeah. were and uh, another thing too i just wanted to mention because i remembered it um they you know how in the movie they were talking about how they were keeping like the third class locked behind the gates and they couldn't come up um mm-hmm. they actually researched that and they said that's not true that didn't happen so i think that well thank god i know <laughs> i know i just was thinking about that too because it's such a Especially back in the day, too, you think about all these rich people who... But then again, three of those J.P. Morgan rivals died on the boat, and they were rich, well-off, like, big people in the world, but they they still died, too. Well, I mean, yeah, because there already was And they were men. Yeah, there already <laughs> wasn't enough um, lifeboats. Life yeah. And then I think maybe... Um, because I don't remember all the statistics, but, I mean... I'm glad that the third, you know, the third level folks weren't actually trapped down there. But um, I'm sure they, you know, they had more distance to go to get to the lifeboat. So I'm sure not as many of them make it due to that. But I mean, once everybody gets to the surface and you're trying to get out, it's pure chaos. I could only imagine, Mm -hmm. like, you know, everyone's scrambling over each other to get out. I mean, how many times do you hear in tragedies of people, like, Being trampling trampled each over, other? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, because everyone loses it. You're scared. Yeah. Everyone's scared. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Especially uh, in a ship where you just, nobody prepared for it because they didn't think it was ever going to happen. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, like, would love to get into more, too, about the ghosts that are like they talk about from the Titanic too, which is interesting because it's all underwater. So it's like (laughs) those ghosts are just down there, but it's like, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a interesting story because we're so infatuated with it because it's so tragic. And, um, you think about people visiting it to this day just to go see the wreckage and the history that's down there that got lost in it. It's just it's very interesting to me yeah for sure and if you ever want to go in the ghosts like i can talk about ghosts too because yeah. i know i mean i don't know if you can catch ghosts underwater but <laughs> i know, I know, that there's, the I know there's a lot of theories though about ghosts being attached to the items that have been recovered yeah yes and that like, too yeah. like me i'm a big ghost hunters fan i yes. know that's a bit <laughs> yeah. controversial sometimes but <laughs> I know that they did an episode, I can't remember if it was an older or newer one, but they did do one where they investigated where there was a Titanic exhibit, mm. and there was supposed hauntings, and they supposedly oh. caught a lot of stuff, so yeah. it's very interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see? <laughs> you could do that. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us again. We hope you enjoyed it, and you join us next time. Thank you.